Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I would like to welcome Chris Rosendich, nutrition educator and health coach and owner of Your Health Journey. Thank you for being here today. Welcome, Chris. How are you? Very good. Thank you for having me. I am honored. Can you please describe your family life growing up? What was it like at the dinner table? Well, I came from a large family. So there were seven kids and my mom and dad. And it's interesting that my mom implemented a rule that we had to eat dinner from 5.30 to 6.30 every single night. And I think about how progressive that was. And this was the era before cell phones, so we were instructed to tell all of our friends not to even call during 5.30 and 6.30. And that was our time to connect with each other and eat and uh, enjoy this meal um, together. So I moving forward, implemented that with my family. Not quite as rigid. Uh, If we needed to take a call, of course we would, but I felt like it was really important to eat with, you know, my family and enjoy their time. I still, to this day, don't enjoy eating in front of the television. I really Mm -hmm. like, my husband and I are both, we're empty nesters now. Mm -hmm. Our three kids are grown and moved out. And... We just enjoy that time. And what was the food like at the dinner table? Was it all home cooking? Did she primarily prepare dinners? What was it like? Yes, that was the era where mom cooked a full meal and everything was cooked. I don't want to say by scratch, but there were some shortcuts there. But definitely, um, you know, she might have used packaged spaghetti and but she made her own chili and she made her own roast and mashed potatoes didn't come from a box Uh, she made her own gravies that was back in the time where we ate a lot of butter (laughs) and bread and gravy Mm -hmm. but it was wonderful and lots of vegetables and uh, every single dinner we had dessert can you imagine (laughs) every dinner we had dessert and to this day I still look for something a little bit sweet after my dinner, Mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is kind of fun. So would you say that that was a great imprint and a great beginning to shaping your journey in nutrition and knowing the value of home-cooked meals and feeding yourself well? Absolutely. The opportunity to have her cook for us and then we tried all of these different foods, all these different vegetables and explore what what did I like, what didn't I like. One fun story is that my dad, we were at the dinner table and I wanted the Brussels sprouts passed to me because I loved vegetables so very much, but he wouldn't pass them to me until I remembered the name. And I remember feeling anxious about that, but looking back, I think what young girl loves Brussels sprouts so much that she, you know, is stressed about making sure that they're past her. That's a good story. And so transitioning then to your own family dinner table, was it very important to you that you continue the traditions of a home-cooked meal? 
Absolutely. I think growing up, I really valued my mom's uh, desire to have us all sit together and cook home-cooked meals. And I brought that to my family, leaning on the side of some processed foods, but not a lot. Mm -hmm. But I also did it because financially, we were on a budget. And to cook your own meal costs pennies to the dollars in terms of eating out. So what led you to become a nutrition educator? I always really valued feeling good. Hmm. Having a lot of energy, being happy. I didn't early on associate that with the foods that you eat, but I lost a couple of really important people in my life that chose not to live a healthy lifestyle. Hmm. So living a very healthy lifestyle became extremely important to me early on, and I've lived that way ever since. Okay. What does that mean? It really is about mind, body, and spirit. It really is about feeling so good and so energized and so happy and so confident. And I learned that in order to achieve that, there are choices we can make in our life to help make that happen. There was literally a time that I was in a meeting with some nurse, nurse navigators from a local hospital. And being at a cancer center, I felt like I had this free pass because there was no cancer in my family. But they explained that many times a cancer diagnosis can be not because of genetics, but lifestyle. And I was shocked by that. And from that point on, really was the start of me learning and growing and going back to school and getting my master's in nutrition mm. to help me understand the connection between food and illness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other really important example I had in my life was my son. And early on, he had digestive issues. I didn't really understand what that meant. We took him to all kinds of doctors. And literally, it took us going through 10 years of six or eight doctors to understand that truly he had a digestive issue and was sensitive to gluten and dairy. And by merely getting off gluten and dairy, his gut was able to heal and he could feel good again. When he went off to college, he said to me, Mom, this is the first time that I can think clearly. Hmm. He literally would go off to high school without eating breakfast because he'd have a stomach ache all day. Oh, boy. And when we finally figured out that he had food sensitivities and that his gut was out of balance and we got all of that in line, oh, my gosh, he put on weight he felt better, more confident. He was clear-minded. It it was a it was interesting to see the change, and helped me become even more of a believer in terms of the foods that we put in our body can make a huge difference. Now let's talk about your exciting work. You primarily work with cancer survivors at the moment at the Cancer Support Center. How do you approach counseling clients about eating well? Just 
even from a philosophical standpoint, how do you talk to them about what it means to eat well? The approach that we take here is a very gentle approach. Really try to listen to the person and find out what are they going through. Hearing what their needs are and what direction do they want to go with their diet. Are they overwhelmed or not? Have they made big changes or not? Do they need to make changes? Is their doctor talking to them about making diet changes? Then gently creating a, a plan for them. Doing it together in a non-judgmental type of way. I'm so happy you used that word, non-judgmental. In our society, it's always about big changes fast, fad diets. How do you navigate those types of conversations? It is so true because people hear on, on television, they read in the newspapers, and they get confused because it's just small pieces of information being thrown out there. Mm-hmm. And what personally what I like to do, I don't like the word diet. I, I don't because it means deprivation to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was back in high school trying to get in that one pair of jeans, right? So I look at diet uh, as, did I eat today? <laughs> Don't you love that? Did I, do. Did I, I do. eat today? And get away from that word of diet, which means deprivation. I think we as humans want to thrive, not just survive. We want to feel good. We want to, we want to have energy to do all the things that we want to do. So, you know, we have to look at diet as a lifestyle. And it's almost like if you think of a wheel on a bicycle, there's so many spokes to it. Mm. The food we put in our body is just one spoke. But they all together um, create this mind, body, and spirit type of theory. So helping people identify, first of all, getting away from the diet, identify what is best for them. Everyone is bio-individual. We're all unique. And not one diet works for another. Not one group of foods work for another. Many of us have food sensitivities that we're not even aware of Mm -hmm. that's affecting how we feel. Mm -hmm. It's also sometimes people eat the same types of foods and they don't ever realize how they really feel, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So... They could be eating certain foods on a regular basis, maybe processed foods or fast foods, and they don't ever really get to the point of feeling great, so they don't understand how bogged down their system is by eating those foods. What I love to do is slowly introduce people to maybe new types of foods that they will start to turn a corner and be like, wow, I, I feel so much better eating a stir-fry than a hamburger. How do you get someone to make that switch? I know you said small changes, but to actually believe that a smoothie can make me feel better in the morning rather than a processed frozen sandwich thrown into the microwave or a a quick wrap that I make at home or something that I reconstitute with leftovers from the night before for lunch will make me feel better 
than grabbing a fast food meal in the car on the way to. If you're used to that, how do you make that, take that small step to really believe that? I think the, the best way for someone to really internalize that and understand it for themselves is by doing it. But we start off with this discussion, under, sharing that those types of foods, fast foods and processed foods and refined sugars, are very inflammatory. So there's that reaction in your body causing the inflammation. Inflammation causes us to maybe feel the joint pain a little bit more. Mm. And so by encouraging someone just to tweak their meal could maybe make a difference. Encouraging people to maybe keep a food diary or just a little journal right in their purse or the refrigerator or in the kitchen so that they could start to track the foods they're eating and how do they feel. Mm -hmm. And getting back to the tweaking, if you love hamburgers, let's just make a grass-fed burger at home. You put whatever you want on it, right? Moderate cheese. (laughs) Maybe making your own sweet potato Mm -hmm. fries Mm -hmm. and having cottage cheese or applesauce or a small salad. And encouraging someone to do it for a day or two or a week or 10 days and they start to feel so much better getting off the sugar. Here's another area of seduction. I was just in the store yesterday, as a matter of fact, grabbing some groceries, and there were two distinct sections with the chicken. There was your bulk chicken that was much cheaper, store brand name, next to it in a very small, isolated section. You could almost miss it. It's an organic, free range. It's a little bit more expensive. So what do you say to a person like that? Well, I want more bang for my buck. I'm going to get more of this. It's too expensive to buy grass-fed or organic produce or organic meats. So if you would allow me, I'm just going to take that question and expand on it, first of all. And especially in a cancer center, but when you're dealing with any illness, whether it's cardiovascular or diabetes or high blood pressure, remember the underlying influence is inflammation. So talking to individuals about increasing nutrients, decreasing toxic load, based on that, then we look at specific, the actual diet, which remember, we don't like that word. (laughs) We like, did I eat today? Mm -hmm. But this... Uh, you know, this lifestyle, this food, the foods that we're selecting. And they are whole grains, not the processed grains like white rice, more of the quinoa, more of the um, wild rice or the brown rice, Mm -hmm. the fruits and vegetables, the beans and legumes, the water, making sure we get plenty of water Mm -hmm. uh, as a nutrient. And looking at dairy, but in a real modified version, because that can be inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Looking at meat, but again, are we choosing a clean source of meat? Whatever the animal eats is essentially what we're going to eat. So if the animal is eating grains, even though they're not meant to eat the grains, which are inflammatory, 
that's going to have an effect by the time we get that burger mm -hmm. on our plate. Mm -hmm. So encouraging people, yes, budget is extremely important, but if we can let go of an extra big bag of chips and save that money for um, an organic chicken, like free-range mm -hmm. eggs or grass-fed beef, we're just getting a higher grade of meat and therefore putting less toxins in our body, mm -hmm. possibly feeling better, possibly being less inflamed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Why then do you think so many people are still clinging to the idea of diets? And I need to be on a diet and I want to try this new diet. Do you think diets work? I don't think they work because usually the person is thinking short term. I'm going to be on a diet short term. And then when they get off that diet, are they able to somehow um, transfer that into a lifestyle that they can kind of keep up with, right? Mm -hmm. So for that reason, diets can be um, not as effective. Mm -hmm. The other thing is there's so many diets out there. Mm -hmm. Is it right for that person? Remember we were talking about bio-individuality. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Does that person need to be on a, you know, low-carb, high-protein diet? Mm -hmm. um, does that person need to be fasting on juices and smoothies for 30 days? Mm -hmm. Is that necessary? Mm -hmm. It's really looking at where that person is coming from, their health issues, what do they want to accomplish. But for most people, they just want to lose weight, they want to feel better, and they want to do it long term and for that it's it's really not as effective now you and i have also talked before about the idea that food itself is not inherently evil so we tend to as a society vilify certain food groups over time whether it's eggs whether it's carbs you name it insert bread is that true? Are there evil food groups? Or the piggyback question to that would be, what particular uh, nutrients do we need to be cautious about in our diet overdoing? I love how you define whether food is evil or not. I'm thinking Power Rangers. I'm thinking of those, right? Those, because the, those. it's one of the first things, you know, you sit down with a woman nowadays at, yeah. at dinner or wherever, and the first thing she talks about is, I'm not going to eat bread. Bread is so bad, I'm watching. Mm -hmm. and, and it confuses me. It confuses me that mm -hmm. there's a group of, our ancestors ate bread. They may not have eaten it in vast amounts, and they certainly didn't eat it from a bag, you know, in the grocery store that mm -hmm. preservatives in it, but bread itself isn't. I don't think an evil thing, but you're the expert. So that's what I want to ask you. We tend to, society tends to attach evil, judgmental labels on a whole food group. And people are listening to that and taking nutrients out of their diets that they might be benefiting from. If you're saying no bread, no grains, or no carbs rather, then you're Xing out wild rice, brown rice, where you're getting all types of vitamins and, and micro and macronutrients. You are spot on because 
we hear in the media, what should we be eating, what shouldn't we be eating, and it is true. Back in the 70s, it was this fat-free craze, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't eat fat Mm -hmm. for 50 years, but Mm -hmm. what happened to our society? We got heavier as a society. And now we're looking at, you know what, if we eat an egg, that's not going to produce the cholesterol type of issues Mm -hmm. the way other things. So Mm -hmm. we are now looking as a society at sugar. We have to actually step back and think, is a food nutrient or not? Is it going to provide the body with vitamins and minerals and then those phytonutrients that we just started talking about just 15 years ago? Plant chemicals that are so nourishing to the body is helping us to stay healthy and happy and energized. Let's just take a second and talk about grains. A lot of people demonize grains Mm -hmm. and they're so worried about, like you said, bread. Mm -hmm. And grains are actually, have a lot of nutrients. They're very healthy. They have a lot of protein uh, or some protein. They provide our bodies with phytochemicals, fiber, which helps flush out all the Mm -hmm day-to-day toxins, Mm -hmm. and they stimulate the growth of good bacteria in our gut, which my son so desperately Mm -hmm. needed years ago. Mm -hmm. And looking at grains, we just don't want them refined, but to eat a small portion of the complex grains, like we talked about quinoa, brown rice, wild rice, um, maybe even the starchy vegetables like a sweet potato. Mm -hmm. But eating a small portion, and the reason we want to manage the grains is so that it doesn't spike our blood sugar. And blood sugar is actually very important to think about because it is going to deregulate this blood sugar control that is something I think we're going to continue hearing about in the future. There's there's something called insulin-like growth factors. And when we eat a refined carb, like let's say white rice, it deregulates that. Um, Meat, refined carbs, deregulate that. And the idea that this blood sugar spikes is going to actually affect all the pathways in our body. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as like rolling meadows. We want our blood sugar to be like a rolling meadow. Mm -hmm. And some of us need to eat small frequent meals and others can eat maybe three meals a day. Mm -hmm. But we want to make sure that our blood sugar isn't spiking, which is going to cause inflammation and other health issues. So then you would, in terms of this biodiversity you mentioned too, you would recommend then that people experiment and figure out what's right for him or herself. Open up your mind, be flexible, and figure out how you need to eat based on how you feel. Do you have good energy? Is your stomach upset when you eat a certain thing? I've had to figure out I'm a person who may need a couple of snacks. And um, I I also learned recently, too, that there's a certain time after which, not because of a diet, not because of something else on TV, just I noticed that if I stop eating at a certain time, I feel better, I sleep better, and I wake up with a little bit more energy. I don't wake up with heartburn anymore in the middle of the night if I honor the specific cutoff time for myself that I've noticed. I've also noticed that in terms of being really patient and paying attention, 
if I'm not eating well, if I'm running around stressed and I'm not paying too much attention to what I'm putting into my body, when I'm not doing those things that are homemade and nutritious, my energy is terrible. I'm crabby. I'm sluggish. My, my body tells you're me. You're hangry, right? Yeah. <laughs> not yeah. angry, but hangry because yeah. you're without that food. Mm-hmm. 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 It's really important to identify what makes your body function at an optimal level. Mm-hmm. The way we do that is being very sensitive to the foods we eat and how we feel afterwards. Again, we talked about journaling, jotting those things down so you can start to see a clear pattern. There are definitely best practices, and that's what my clients we talk about together. Mm. What's a best practice mm. for them? Mm-hmm. But you touched on a few. Um, Number one for cancer patients and for people, you know, debilitated by disease is eating a primarily plant-based diet, Mm -hmm. fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, whole grains, beans, incorporating meat, absolutely, but maybe our higher grade and not as frequently, Mm -hmm. lots of water. Many times people feel hungry when they're just thirsty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you've really ever drank the the optimal amount of water for your body, everything is flowing. I mean, it's you literally can get a visual of you walking through a field if you're hydrated, but if you're not hydrated, it's like your feet are walking through mud. The cells of your body are just sluggish, so we need to drink so much clean water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You talked about stop stop eating at a certain time. Literally, our digestive tract loves to do the work of healing our body at night. But if you've eaten late, now it has to work on digestion. Mm-hmm. Looking at foods that help balance the good and bad bacteria of our gut is critical because 70 to 80% of our immune system resides in our gut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So understanding that if we have indigestion, acid reflux, flatulence. These are things that are symptoms of our digestive tract being maybe out of balance. Mm -hmm. So maybe we need to eat more fermented foods. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't have a smoothie on top of all these foods that are not digested and all of a sudden we have fermented foods in our colon causing us distress. Mm -hmm. So there are so many best practices but it does take looking at yourself and what makes sense for you. So why do you think that women in general attach so much judgment to ourselves regarding what we're eating, why we're eating, how we're eating, and what size we are? Why? Why so much judgment around food? I think some of it goes back to the way we were taught that if we deprive ourselves of calories, we'll lose weight, feel better. And actually, one of those best practices is making sure you don't eat too few calories so that your metabolism goes on vacation. Mm -hmm. You need that metabolism to burn the fat. We need muscle mass, right? Um, we, We need to really eat the right calories. 
I love when women say, yeah, but a cookie is 100 calories. An apple is essentially 100 <laughs> calories. And that makes me crazy <laughs> because they both do very different things mm -hmm. in the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you've got this apple that has these vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients that are doing so many things, processes that we have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then the cookie is a non-nutrient mm -hmm. and it's probably going to be stored as fat. It, what's interesting is if you've ever gotten off some of these crappy foods, can I say that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> can I say crappy foods? And when you get off of some of these foods for a few days, a week, 10 days, a couple weeks, oh my gosh, your body, you just feel so good, so energized. You sleep better at night, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those best practices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there, we can eat some sugar, but it's interesting, the body can't metabolize a lot. And sugar is ubiquitous, right? It's in everything now. You pick up anything on the grocery store shelf and there's sugar in it. So that's problematic as well. What I love is that the World Health Organization has finally come forward and given us recommendations on what is too much sugar. And so they've recommended that women don't eat more than approximately 26 grams per day. Understanding that one teaspoon of sugar is four grams. So we get really about five or six teaspoons a day. Mm -hmm. Men is about 36 to 40 grams, which is about eight or nine teaspoons per day. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, if you ever wanted to do something neat, track your sugar. And remember, fruit is free because even though that has fructose, we're considering that as a plant-based food. Mm -hmm. So this is processed foods. This is added sugars. And so on packages, you'll see added sugar. And so mm -hmm. you're adding that up and it's interesting for example a can of soda might have 40 grams of sugar you you've overdone it for the day already right yes for your 26 grams so yes. just looking at the quantity of sugar you're eating and then looking at the quality of sugar sugar is really sugar but some of the experts look at honey and molasses and maple syrup mm -hmm. stevia mm -hmm. as maybe a better choice than artificial sugars. Because there are other nutrients in there. Other nutrients, they're not as refined. Our body is used to those sugars because mm -hmm. they've been around for thousands of years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Emotional eating. Because you brought up the cookie before. The reason why the cookie is going to be more seductive than the apple is because it is comforting. It it feels like a hug when you have, for, at least to me, I feel like I'm getting a hug when I have a chocolate chip cookie. So You and me I both. <laughs> so we jumped into, I think more as women, maybe I'm generalizing or overgeneralizing, but emotional eating is an issue that comes up for some. How do we know if we are eating because of so we're trying to self-soothe versus really figuring out, are we hungry? It, that is such a great question. And I think it is a concern of every woman. And um, it's something that's real, right? It's really real because, number one, food is a big part of our life, our culture, our traditions. F eating food should be a wonderful experience. I love to eat, <laughs> I eat all day long. And it is 
it should be celebrated. You know, some of these European countries, they do it right. Uh, I once heard that you're supposed to sit at the table as long as it took for the cook to prepare the meal. Oh, that's interesting. Right, because us Americans, we eat within 10 or 12 minutes and we're, we're out the door. And we should value the fact that it's okay to have food and experience it in a social setting. There are some foods that trigger the pleasure centers of our brain. And mm. that's not broccoli. Mm. <laughs> that's sugar. That's sugar. Mm -hmm. So when we eat a salad, we don't experience the same effects as when we eat a cookie or a brownie. And literally, our brain is letting us know, wow, what an experience. And that mm. blood sugar is spiked and we feel good and we've got a little quick energy. But within 15, 20 minutes, we're going to feel that drop mm -hmm. in energy. Mm -hmm. One way to really understand if we're emotionally eating is sometimes emotional eating comes on suddenly versus a physical hunger comes on gradual. When we're emotionally eating, usually we really want a specific food and it's urgent. It's like you can't get it into your body fast <laughs> enough, right? Um, physical hunger, many times you can wait. You're trying to figure out what do I want? What should I eat? Emotional eating usually is paired with a upsetting emotion. You know, you, you might feel stressed. Uh, you're just almost absent-mindedly eating mm. without even realizing. Mm. You're just going into the kitchen, grabbing, 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 grabbing. Mm. Whereas physic, physical hunger is more you're aware of it. Last year was a busy year for me because both my girls got married. Congratulations. Within three-month period. When I ate, I didn't feel satisfied. Hmm. And I found myself overeating. And once the weddings were over, I found myself after eating a serving, I was fine. I felt nourished. I felt content, contentment. Hmm. So I think we do have to look at our stress level because sometimes we're just eating so quickly we're eating on the run, like you had mentioned, in the mm -hmm. car. Mm -hmm. And we have to really be mindful of our practices and making sure that we sit down, maybe have a, a, a nice table setting, taking the time to turn the TV off, putting some calm music on, and really enjoying our food. Because so that's what it was meant to do, right? You're coming full circle to the beginning of our conversation, what your mom taught you. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the eating, enjoy the company. It's a tradition, it's about family, it's about love. There's no shame in sitting down and eating a plate of food, even if you did eat bread there. Yes, <laughs> yes, I love bread. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I just want to leave you with a concept. It's called 80-20, and I teach mm. this concept to really all my clients because what it means is, and it's no, it doesn't have to be 80-20 in terms of percentages, but 80% of the time you're eating really healing foods that nourish the body. Whole foods that are in their original state that usually only have one ingredient and they come from nature. Mm -hmm. And it's natural wrappers, uh, uh, rule of thumb. <laughs> yes, natural wrappers. And, but 20% of the time, you can deviate and have some fun foods. Mm -hmm. You know, um, put honey 
in your tea. Um, enjoy a cookie, enjoy a dessert when you're out. And the way I like to talk to clients about it is that most of the time we're all eating about 15, 16 items a day. Mm-hmm. And if you look at about 80% of that, that's going to be about 13 items. And so it leaves you with maybe two or three items a day that you can enjoy. Now you have to make sure that the portions are correct, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to have some french fries with a beautiful salad and salmon, I know that's an odd combination, right? But enjoying that you can have some treats along the way. Now, that's not good for everyone. Some people need to do it all or nothing, right? Hmm. So you might eat really well for six days and have a couple of treats on okay. the seventh day. Okay. But you almost literally need to celebrate some of these foods that you love that you don't feel deprived. Mm-hmm. And if you don't overdo it, you're going to really, you're going to continue on your journey of losing weight and feeling better. Mm-hmm. And I think the last concept really is about Relapse. I think it's important to understand that this is a journey. This is a lifestyle. This isn't a diet. This is making a choice to eating foods that nourish the body so that we feel good. We don't know how long we have on this earth, but while we're on this earth, let's feel as good as we can. And to understand that, we're going to relapse. We're going to go to a party. We're going to have a day where we're more hungry than other days. We're going to just, our body is going to crave sugar on some days and it's, on other days it just doesn't. Mm -hmm. So just really valuing our body and respecting some of these decisions and understanding that as long as we're looking at portions, looking at nutrient-dense foods, eating 80% of the time these healing foods that nurture our body, then, then we're on course. And that if we have a setback, a relapse, it's okay. We don't have to lose the rest of the day or two more days. We can say no for the rest of the day. I'm going to enjoy these healing foods. My friend, what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? My personal definition is to feel the best you can. To live your healthiest version. I loved when the World Health Organization came out with a definition and they defined health as a state of complete physical and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease. It is mind, body, and spirit. It's when you wake up every single day or most days and feel happy. You feel joyful. You feel calm. You feel excited. You, you have the energy to exercise, whatever that means for you, whether it's just a little bit of movement through walking or taking a Zumba class. Mm-hmm. But it really is finding joy and peace in your life. Thank you so much for this most wonderful conversation today. So much information and so much permission to be yourself and to just treat yourself right. That's really what we've been talking about. It is, and I'm just, it's a blessing to have talked with you today. It's a blessing what you're doing to uh, share this information um, out there to all these people that are looking for it. And for everyone to understand that it is not a quick fix, that Mm -hmm. you might need to read or talk with people 
consistently to get to where you want to go. It's a journey, right, Nadine? It's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I will put all of your information in the show notes. I know you've got an exciting website coming out very soon, so I'll uh, place that in the show notes as well so people know where to find you. Thank you. Thank you. And now it's time for practical tips. Mind, body, and spirit tip. I think you all know what I'm going to say for this week. Pay attention to what you're eating and maybe try that food diary. Notice what you're eating, how it makes you feel, your energy, overall. Thanks for being here. See you next time.